Thanks for listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos and the PCC Multiverse. Check out more great podcasts today on one of these awesome affiliate networks. You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. The Tangibound Network. Check it out. Tangiboundnetwork.com. Listen to this show, the latest episode, every time. A proud member of the Good and Geek Network. The opinions expressed are those of each individual. Check out all the other geeky podcasts over at gunnageeknetwork.com and get ready because geekiness begins in 3, 2, 1. On this week's episode, The Conjuring has the devil making them do it. What's with the letter V for hit video games? And Avengers Campus is open for business. All this and more as we reach our next stop, the PCC Multiverse. Don't be alarmed. The quasi-shimmering light before you is a trans-dimensional gateway to other worlds, other voices, other thoughts, and other realities. Up feels like down, and down feels like the number seven on a Wednesday morning. Don't worry. That quivering, blood-boiling sensation under your eyebrows is all a part of the charm. Welcome to the PCC Multiverse. And we're back with another episode of the PCC Multiverse. This is Gerald Glass from Pop Culture Cosmos, Game Source, Inside Sports Fantasy Football, and the Lakers Fast Break. We truly appreciate everyone out there listening to all of our shows. And if you can, please give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Plus, if you can like, share, subscribe, follow, or do anything that you can to support us right here at the Pop Culture Cosmos and PopCultureCosmos.com. And I just want to tell everybody out there, Father's Day is coming up. Some great gift ideas that we're going to go ahead and have and post on PopCultureCosmos.com in the coming days. Plus, speaking of Father's Day, if you've heard out there on other podcasts about Manscaped.com and all the great men's grooming products there for you, got a deal for you with our sister program the lakers fast break they made a deal with manscape.com actually it was with the hoop heads podcast network so big props to them if you're interested and you type in the code and you buy anything from manscape.com and you type in the code all one word fast break one word you get 20 percent off plus free shipping that's 20 percent off plus free shipping with the code one word fast break from your friends right here at the Lakers Fast Break, Pop Culture Cosmos, Manscaped.com, and the Hoop Heads Podcast Network. Great gift for Father's Day at Manscaped.com. But it wouldn't be a PCC multiverse without my good friend. He is the patron saint for Pop Culture Cosmos. You got to check out what he's doing at the Twitter or Instagram at CastlePCC with a K. It is my good friend indeed. It is. Marcus De La Garza. And Marcus, thank you for allowing me for the extra minute to shamelessly plug Manscaped.com. Hey, that was a great plug, by the way. Had me laughing. Yeah, and I actually pulled up Manscaped.com while I was sitting over here, getting ready to type in that discount code. I will say this right now. The Lawnmower 4.0, which is an outstanding waterproof, it's rechargeable, it's wireless, it has safe, really safe blades, they're safe blade technology, so there's no nicks or cuts, at least from what I've been able to use so far. 
and it gets you in all the right places as far as takes care of all those that areas, you know, for the guys. You know where that is. So I ain't going to go ahead and say that right now on the radio. And they also have a ton of great lifestyle men's grooming products. And I just thought I'd pass along the great deal that we're offering at the Lakers Fast Break here. It's a great deal. And I did look it up and I think I actually might be taking advantage of it after we get off the podcast here. Well, I do want to go ahead and give a shout out. I was not here last week. I was at a wedding. Palm Springs, California. Beautiful, beautiful place. Was Uh, it your own? No, it was not my own. It was some good friends of ours, Nick and Amber. They had a wonderful, wonderful wedding, and I cannot thank them enough and just tell them congrats again. They do listen to the show, so, you know, Nick and Amber, thank you very much. But I do have something I want to bring up real quick, Gerald, just a minute or two. Props to Jamie Monroy. You know, he got the chance to sit in for you, and I do thank him for doing that. Yeah, Jamie, thank you so much for uh, coming in last minute. I kind of sprung that one on Gerald. I should have known. Yeah, I should have known early on, and I did. I just failed to relay that information. That's okay. Gerald, it might be time for us to Vengeance is a dish best served cold, as they say in the old Klingon proverb. (laughs) I have a feeling you and I are going to start trending towards a shared calendar soon. There you uh, go. There you go. But all thanks to uh, Jamie Monroy. But you missed the Friends conversation, and that was a great topic for us. Actually, it's one of our highest-rated podcasts of the year. And I think it's because of Friends. It's what a lot of people were talking about. It's been very successful for HBO Max. So I think a lot of people were either really turned on by what we were talking about because when they saw the the picture for our latest episode and it had the Friends up there, I got a lot of responses, both negative and positive. And a lot more of it was positive according to the numbers. So Wow. I I think I would have been down on that negative side. And I definitely was down on the negative side when I I was listening to things. But... I think that's going to be an interesting topic to kind of watch and keep tabs on here as we move forward. You know, it's, it's doing numbers for them, similar to what Wonder Woman 84 is doing. So there you go. That's amazing. Congrats to them. But uh, you wanted to talk about something you were watching on Fox. Yeah, I actually just watched an episode of it this evening, Housebroken. It debuted this past weekend. It's got Lisa Kudrow, Nat Faxon, Clea it's Duvall. It's animated, correct? It is animated. It's about pets. It's about this anthropomorphic therapy dog, honey, who's, you know, leading a group therapy session for all the other animals on the block as they come together and talk about their lives and all the things that's happening in their household. So it's got a little bit more storyline than that. A lot of really funny things. I think one of the big negative reviews I have is, you know, everybody just used their regular speaking voice. And I guess I don't know what I was expecting, but, you know, sometimes with animation, you get a little bit of a wild voice out of certain people. And it just felt like Phoebe was talking to me uh, as, as a dog instead. Made it a little bit weird there. But regardless, I'm in for at least three or four more episodes. I think that what we did in the pilot was set the stage for a lot of the little stories we're going to have for the rest of the season. So uh, really looking forward to watching another episode next week on Fox. And I encourage you, Gerald, if you wait just another week, maybe you can stack up two back to back and get 40 minutes of TV out of it and maybe have a decent review next week. We can talk about it and just go, you know, have a little interplay about Housebroken. I think it's a it's going to be a good series. I just I don't know. I think we've got three or four to really feel it out before I, I commit wholeheartedly. They've done so well with The Simpsons and, and so many other shows that they like there. It's it's something that I think a lot of people are going to want to check out. But I will say that it is going to be something that I am going to check out just for you, my friend. I'm going to give it a shot. Like you said, I'll let a couple episodes stack up, but go ahead. Mondays at 9 p.m. on Fox is when you can catch Housebroken. Oh, okay. So it is Mondays, not Sundays. All right. Because I know Sundays, obviously, they're very famous for their animation block. But yes, I'll be checking that out. I'll stack a couple up and I will let you know on next week's episode what I think of the show. But it is going to be a great program we have for everyone out there today. We'll be talking The Conjuring. 
as it returns to theaters, matching up against A Quiet Place, so part two. So you got A Quiet Place part two matching up against The Conjuring. Horror versus horror, or kind of horror when it comes to A Quiet Place part two. It's kind of like a thriller horror type deal, but The Conjuring, everybody knows about The Conjuring right now. That series has been a, I guess, a standard or a staple of horror for the last decade. So we're going to talk about that coming up here in a sec and its prospects now that the box office is much more open than it was at this point last year. Hot movie theater stocks is rebounding. They're growing. AMC, which was recently as, what, three months ago, on the verge of collapse, on the verge of bankruptcy, asking the government for money, now is soaring as far as the price is concerned. At least it was for most of the week. I know they threatened to go ahead and sell off portion of their shares, and (laughs) the stock world didn't take kindly to that. But we'll talk about that and the prospects for the all these theater stocks coming up here on, on the show as well. There's a little game that I know a lot of people have been playing on their phones called Minion Rush. So we'll talk about that and just how many people are playing that. You'll be surprised to hear the number of how many downloads it hit on a milestone coming up here on the show as well. We're also going to be talking about the success of certain games, starting with the letter V in Valorant and Valheim coming up on the show plus we've got news and updates on god of war gran turismo 7 and the avengers campus has now opened for business we'll talk about how disneyland might now be on your trip itinerary sometime soon coming up on the show as well but first my friend i wanted to go ahead and hit you up real quick on this the wwe in recent weeks has made some talent cuts and i think a lot of people who follow the world of professional wrestling have heard all the talent cuts that they've made over the past couple of weeks with several notable mid-card wrestlers that have been cut. Some of them, just basically the old creative has nothing for you, so we're going to go ahead and let you go. Some of them, maybe it's just they're, they're too high-priced. They signed a contract earlier in their careers that when WWE thought more of them, and now that they're in a position, maybe they're not worth their value. But when it comes to a recent cut, I wanted to go ahead and bring this up to you. I mean, there were several that took place earlier this week, along with executives were also let go. Some new ones were actually brought on, but some others were let go in recent weeks, in recent days. Also as well, announcer Tom Phillips, after he was bumped off of the Raw announced team, he was eventually let go. We know the story out there, if if you're familiar with the WWE, that Adnan Verk, from ESPN and other outlets. I think he's now with MLB and several other things that he does. He recently left after such a short tenure. I'm not trying to be too mean on this, but he is actually one of the worst announcers I've heard in almost 10 years since the last time they brought a sports announcer onto a platform named Mike Adamley from NBC. So Anna Burke was really bad. So I think that's probably best for all parties concerned because he's actually very good in a lot of other places. He's been good at ESPN. He's good on MLB. He he knows his game on those other platforms. So he's just I'm, not wish, versed in the uh, in the wrestling. Arts no, no. It's just trying to call moves, not understanding the history of some of the wrestlers or some of the backgrounds of some of the wrestlers. He kind of blew it on. So he's just not familiar with the product. So I, I think it was yeah. best for all parties concerned. But the company just recently announced letting go several wrestlers, and most notably Alistair Black, who they were look like were going to be having some things done for on SmackDown. Lana, who was part of a tag team 
with Naomi, Ruby Riot, who is also part of a tag team, which mm-hmm. was in recent action on SmackDown. Murphy, who was not really utilized that much, and Santana Garrett. But the biggest name of all these is Braun Strowman, who just was part of a triple headlining match at WrestleMania Backlash in a triple threat match. And it's kind of weird because he was also, again, Shane McMahon at WrestleMania, played a prominent role there. He was also let go. So I know there's a lot of speculation being thrown out there that the company is setting itself up for a sale. They recently had in their latest quarterly announcement that they had had their most profitable quarter ever. So take that for what you will. I mean, they're going back on the house shows for the first time in well over a year and the house show circuit in a limited fashion coming up here at the end of this month. So that's something I think that's going to look forward to. But that's not going to drive the profits as much up because you still got the costs of what you have to do to send the people and the equipment and everything from town to town. So right. it's kind of give and take there. But I noticed that they did, again, say that they had the most profitable quarter ever. And with me watching them and observing them, and I, I'm not the only one that's saying this, I think they are setting themselves up for sale. They obviously just signed the deal for five years, $1 billion of Peacock. Vince McMahon is not getting any younger. And the company itself has changed quite dramatically since they went public in the late 90s, early 2000s. Yep. I don't. I forget the exact year. It's like 2000, I think, right around 2000, 2001 in that area. But I want to hear your thoughts, my friend, on this about the WWE. I mean, I think it would be a great move if they did sell because I think creatively you could get some different people in there. You could change the organizational structure you can make changes to, I think, better accommodate the viewer and the audience. What are your thoughts on a possibility? And that's a possibility, and it's only in the rumor stage. And I don't like to usually comment on rumors and head down to Rumorville like Josh does, but the speculation is right now that the WWE could be up for sale. Well, I mean, if we're going to take a trip to Rumorville, let's say hello to Josh on our way down there. Hey, Josh! Hi, Josh. Seriously, who's going to buy them? Peacock? NBC? NBC Universal has been speculated as one individual outlet. Uh, again, there could be other outlets. I mean, Fox or let's say Sony wants to buy the WWE. I, I just don't well, think any of them are going to do it well, though. None of but, them know the product. But none of them know the product, similar to what Time Warner did when they purchased World Championship Wrestling. But I think it's a little bit different these days. I think they would not follow in those same footsteps. I think that right now, creatively, the WWE is in a place where it needs a new coat of paint. It needs an infusion of individuals that are not there that can see the company for what it is and can see individuals that could make this thing work that's not being done right now. I really want to hear your thoughts that if this could be something where the WWE is about ready to put that for sale sign up on the front lawn. Yeah, for sure. Definitely. When As soon as you said what they were doing, my first thought was, all right, so we're cutting down our overhead. Why? You know, and, and at the end of the day, you got to look. And the first thing you have to look at is, OK, are we not making money? No, that's not the case. We uh, just announced our most profitable quarter ever. So just why signed a five year deal with for a billion dollars? Yeah. Although if another entity bought them up, I would assume Peacock or a.k.a. NBC Universal could get out of the contract if they so choose. I think they could, but at the same time, why? I mean, you, you've got this moneymaker. I think it's obvious right now that 
yeah, they are setting themselves up for a sale. And by getting rid of some of the bigger names with some bigger dollar sign contracts that maybe weren't living up those contracts at all, you're doing yourself a favor by clearing off, I wouldn't call it bad debt, but just bad contracts off the books. I can tell you with Braun Strowman, I think they pigeonholed him once they did that angle with him and Shane McMahon criticizing his intelligence. And I think once you put someone down on that road, it's very hard to get them out of it and have them change. So I agree with you. I think the clock is ticking for the WWE. Yeah, I agree wholeheartedly. What are your thoughts out there on the WWE and the possibility of it being sold? We're only throwing out speculation rumors. Again, I don't really like to go down that road, but it has come up in recent days. And with the recent talent cuts over the past couple months or so, it is becoming more and more apparent that there is something going on behind the scenes with the WWE. Share us your thoughts. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. Hey, this is Chad from Ghost Toasters, and you're listening to Pop Culture Cosmos Podcast. You've heard others, but nothing could prepare you for the shameful stupidity that is the Jock and Nerd Podcast. Witness the hubris as they claim to be the world's authority on comic book movies. Who said that? Never said that. We've never said that. Who cares? A jock said that. Comic book, TV, movie reviews, news, and whatever they choose. Available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you find your favorite podcasts. The Jock and Nerd Podcast. Seriously, people really listen to this. Uh, Jock and Nerd! Well, there's still so much more to talk about on today's show, my friend. And I appreciate, again, all the radio stations, almost 50 worldwide that we're on, just short. And if your radio station is out there, if you own a radio station, you want to go ahead and have us on, let us know. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. But there is so much more to talk about on today's program, my friend. The Conjuring. We're going to talk about the actual movie theaters in a sec. But The Conjuring has returned This movie's been sitting on the shelf for a while. You can tell because they just turn and burn those Conjuring movies like nothing. And The Conjuring, I think, of all the horror movies that were created and thrived in the last decade, I would say The Conjuring is the number one name because you've got an entire universe that has spanned in less than a decade or just about a decade. And the latest movie to come up is The Conjuring, The Devil Made Me Do It, which, again, is going to compete I didn't say win, but compete with Cruella and, of course, last week's big winner, A Quiet Place Part 2. So I want to hear your thoughts on The Conjuring, A Devil Made Me Do It. If this was last year and it had come out originally when it was supposed to come out, I'd probably tell you I'd be done with The Conjuring franchise. I think people would probably have franchise fatigue by now and the numbers would be going south. I don't know what to think right now because people are just hungry for anything seemingly after last week's. Big, big numbers for the pandemic. The biggest numbers ever for the pandemic. I want to see what kind of success the devil could conjure up for The Conjuring. Ooh, I like that lead in there. You know, I'm thinking this might be a very successful title for him, even if it is getting kind of mid-road reviews right now. I think we've got a, a little bit to go when it hits the actual viewership and, you know, we start getting that that average fans uh, review here. The thing that's really catching my eye here is, you know, we're we're sticking with this whole paranormal investigator, Ed Lorraine Warren thing. We're still basing the uh, the story loosely on facts. 
And I think that's what draws people in at the end of the day. You know, that fact that this might be rooted in some version of realistic facts somewhere makes your average viewer really sink into that storyline. I know it makes me sink into the storyline. So, you know, I appreciate what they do with what they're writing here for a lot of the conjuring. And, you know, I, I will agree with you. We had a little, uh, battle fatigue or a little conjuring fatigue, you know, if it was, tw if they would have released this movie straight out the gate last year. But I think having the, uh, the distance yeah. that we had and putting a little bit of time here between early 2020 release. And now we've actually set the right spacing for the conjuring. You know, we we've got this in a spot where people are hungry for this title. Again, we're hungry for this intellectual property. We're hungry for that writing. What they did with this one, it's looking pretty spot on when it comes to the franchise. Yeah, director Michael Chavez, he did The Curse of La Llorona. It was quite the scary movie, but, you know, it sounds like he's coming back around for Devil Made Me Do It, and he's going to have that typical conjuring, a little bit of a scare here and there, but also a really big scare here and there. So uh, I'm really looking forward to maybe diving deep on this title, man. Once again, we're talking about The Conjuring returning to theaters, and The Conjuring, The Devil Made Me Do It, is it going to be enough? Because The Conjuring, usually every single movie comes out almost to the T, and I think probably to the T, has debuted at number one. Uh, usually they find a weekend where they're, they're the, the premier crop and they're going to end up at number one. And remember, this is one of those series that they don't cost a whole lot. And there's usually a high return. Although in recent movies, Conjuring prices have gone up a little higher, a little bit higher. But it's still, again, one of those lower budget horror movies that usually can give you a high return. So I want to hear your thoughts. If you think that this can slow down the success of A Quiet Place Part 2, I think it's going to do okay. Remember, it's also, I believe, out on HBO Max day and date. I believe it's also HBO Max day and date. And I'm going to check and confirm that. But let me hear your thoughts on this. I am going to say right now, the Quiet Place Part 2, even though you'll probably see a 60 to 70% decline, is still going to lead the pack, but it'll probably be very close. Yeah, I think this is going to be a close race here. I think uh, A Quiet Place Part 2, you know, has really done a lot to set itself as the front runner here. Conjuring is going to be battling and, and scraping for that, that first spot. You hit the nail on the head when you said they do like to isolate themselves and find a weekend where they're going to be the front runner. You know, whether that's in the horror genre or just in general at the box office, they want to be number one and they're going to hang their hat by that. So looking forward to the box office numbers coming out in the next week, week or week and a half, I think we're going to see a very, very, very close race. But I think at the end of the day, Quiet Place has the upper hand. And the only reason I say that is just because it feels like it's got the momentum it needs right now. You know, oh, it does. It's got yeah, a I mean, lot of great press. It, it has. And, and I think that's that's really what's going to set it apart here. And I hope I'm wrong. But just because I think the health of the Conjuring franchise and what it can do moving forward has a lot more to give than A Quiet Place. But we're still writing history here. You know, yeah. these are two great horror genre titles kind of going at each other. And I, I know A Quiet Place isn't technically horror. It's it's what is it? More fright, more more you know, thriller type thriller. deal. Yeah. yeah. What it comes down to is I think this is a great matchup. And I think that Conjuring is going to end up probably losing this, but I am a fan of the underdog. So let's go Conjuring. So. Well, again, this is another movie that's coming to the fray day and date on HBO Max. It is confirmed that it is coming this Friday. As you hear this, it'll be available on HBO Max. So I'm thinking that it's going to take away some of the audience, similar to what Cruella. People went ahead, I'm sure, and bought it on premium access on Disney Plus, paid 30 bucks and stayed home instead of coming to the theaters. Although it did pretty good, earning about $40 million over the Memorial Day weekend. 
which was still a nice chunk of change if you can get it right now. It's one of the best domestic openings of the entire pandemic was superseded by, of course, Acquire Place Part 2, which reached well over 60 million by the time dust settled. But you know what? I'm I'm very happy to see that there is now talk. It does my heart good, man. There's now box office talk now, because if you've listened to the show, you know I used to enjoy these box office battles and reporting on it and used to talk Josh's ear off each and every weekend, especially the Monday show, the Pop Culture Cosmos, where we recap what went on in the box office. So Looking forward to going ahead and doing that with him once again. But yes, I'm going to go ahead and say right now, because of not only the good buzz for A Quiet Place Part 2, but also as well the Conjuring being day and date on HBO Max, is that the devil may want you to watch it, but you may watch it at home instead. What are your thoughts out there on The Conjuring? The devil made me do it. Are you going to go ahead and check it out this weekend? And where will you check it out? Are you going to check it out at home on HBO Max? Or are you going to check it out at one of the theaters that are out there? Or do you think it will go ahead and beat A Quiet Place Part 2 this weekend at the box office? Share us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Well, before we hit the break, speaking of the box office, theater chains, which were once really struggling, and not just AMC, the parent company for Regal, all these companies that were involved that are theater owners, They were really struggling, of course, in the pandemic, obviously because they were all closed and nobody was open for business. But now they're back opening up once again, depending on the state. But most of them, if not all the states, are open to some extent, whether it's 100% or less capacity. They're all open, I believe, to some extent. And since most of these theaters are back open for business, although there was some casualties, I want to hear your thoughts, my friend. AMC, which was one of those Reddit stocks, along with GameStop, that a lot of people were tossing around as far as, okay, they need some help. They got a huge bump up on their own this week based off of the sheer success of Acquired Place Part 2 and Cruella. So I want to hear your thoughts, not only them, but the other parent companies that own some of these theater chains. They also got a bump up as well. Now, mind you, it did go down a little bit, earlier in Thursday because of the fact that they're going to be selling off some of their shares, which I would do as well. I would sell off millions of shares if they're really at an all-time high. But I want to hear your thoughts on AMC surpassing GameStop, at least for the time being, as the go-to Reddit stock. Yeah, I think we're just watching the ball bounce back and forth here between AMC, GME, and uh, everything else that Reddit is deciding that they're going to push. You know, one of the big- and beyond. Bed Bath and Beyond. You know, one of the the things that I I really kind of looked at was looking at the Wall Street bets and the Super Stonks subreddits today. People were really celebrating this as a win. I don't fault them for that. This is a very much a win. You know, when it comes to AMC, I think AMC cost short sellers two point one four billion. GME cost everybody else four hundred fourteen million or something along those lines. You know, big money changed hands today. I think it was close to $5 billion or not changed hands. Well, yeah, it did technically change hands. If you're losing money, you're changing money (laughs) from hand to hand here. But it was quite the ride there. And I think we're not done yet, but the announcement this morning that they were going to be selling 11 million shares caused a little bit of an impact on the price. You know, there was about a 20% hike 
in pre-market trading prior to this morning's announcement. And then they took a 4% loss, which triggered a circuit breaker. And if you don't know what a circuit breaker is, it's literally just a pause in the trading of that stock for, I think it's a pre predetermined amount of time. It's 15 minutes or it might be longer. In other words, it's just going crazy right now. It's yeah, it's going crazy. crazy. It's going up, it's volatile, it's going all over the place. You know, I think what you're seeing here is that retail investor is got a little bit scared there. They wanted to pull that profit before they saw things disappear when AMC decided to announce that they were going to be selling off 11 million shares to, it was a capital group. Can't remember who it was off the top of my head, but you know, it's, I think that scares the retail investor when you see that the institutional investors are getting a little bit more of a share. I, I don't blame them though. If I'm AMC and I just come off the worst year and a half ever, I would want to sell off and you know have that in my kitty as well. I mean, that's you know back up the Brinks truck if that's the case, and please do it at the all-time high. That would be awesome. I would have done it too. But again, that's the way that things are bouncing right now. But there's so much interest now in these type of stocks. Unfortunately, the pandemic closed for good a lot of things as far as the theater chains are concerned. In fact, they closed the ArcLight cinemas and the pacific theaters chain those are closed for good they're not being brought back only if amc or regal or some other theater chain reopens them under their banner will they be able to go ahead and open up and that includes the historic cinema dome in hollywood so i'm hoping that somebody will be able to go ahead and open that one up because that's a historical monument to movie and filmmaking alamo draft house is opening up they were on the verge of bankruptcy now they're thriving now they're going to open up more theaters. So things are looking up for the theater chains. They are. And I just want to add to this that AMC, Regal, and even Alamo Drafthouse, I think for me, have always been the forefront of customer experience. So I'm happy that they're all sticking around. You know, I wish that they would have fared a little bit better during pandemic. But last thing on the AMC stock, they have announced that they're selling off all this stock to pay for general debt that they've incurred over the last year. And then, you know, debt incurred from building new theaters. So, you know, it's one of those things that they've got to take care of themselves at the same time that we're all taken care of by their rising stock prices. So I don't blame them because even though they asked the government for assistance, I don't think they ever really received a whole lot of assistance, if any. So there you go. You got to go ahead and take your care of your own now that, that theaters are thriving and obviously everybody has a great interest to it. So it is a great story that the AMC theater stock is rising. Is it overinflated? Yes. I mean, it's the same thing that we were going through with the GameStop stock. We'll see what happens with it if it continues to thrive and be able to succeed. But you can't blame AMC for doing what they're doing because they're back and hopefully they're coming back strong indeed. What are your thoughts out there on the rise from the dead of AMC and the AMC theater chain and all these theater stocks that are still able to go ahead and now once plummeting, they're now thriving as we open up theaters once again. Share us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Well, coming up next, we're going to be talking some Gran Turismo, God of War, video games with the letter V that have become a big hit. We'll talk about that. And we'll also be talking about Minion Rush on your phone and Avengers Campus on the back half of the show. This is the PCC Multiverse. If you want to see the coolest action figure collections out there, the stuff that you played with as a kid, hear from industry insiders that made the toys that really, truly defined who we are, then you got to check out Season 1 of Action Figure Adventure. Check out Action Figure Adventure now, exclusively at Big Bad Toy Store. You'll get 10 episodes of awesome action figure fun. 
I guarantee if you grew up playing toys, you will love action figure adventure. And we're back for the back half of the show. It's Gerald Glassford coming right back at you here at the PCC Multiverse, along with my good friend, the patron saint of Pop Culture Cosmos, Mr. Castle PCC himself with a K, Marcus De La Garza. Want to thank so much for everybody listening and watching on today's episode. Before we go ahead and into the Gran Turismo and God of War news, I've got a letter for you. It's just like we're on Sesame Street. The letter today will be V. That's right. V. V for Valorant and Valheim. So I want to hear your thoughts. We'll go ahead and talk about Valorant. That game has really become a nice story. I know we talked about it before on this show, but it's really become a nice story as they just announced that the PC version has hit over 14 million monthly players for this expanded open world game. A lot of people just really just love this game and are really into it. I've seen it all the time as one of the highest streaming games on Twitch. And by the way, check us out, Pop Culture Cosmos on Twitch. But I wanted to ask you this. They're coming out with a new mobile game version of it because they're following in the footsteps of Call of Duty and obviously Fortnite and so many others. So I want to hear your thoughts first off on this letter V game, and that's Valorant. Yeah, or I mean, Valorant or wherever you say Valorant, I say Valorant, and everybody has a great day. Tomato, tomato. Valorant is, <laughs> there we go. I'm going to go Valorant, you're going to go Valorant. Mm-hmm. Valorant is a it's a 5v5 character-based game. It's somewhere between Counter-Strike and Overwatch, if you haven't had the chance to watch or play before. I think this is a great title. You know, the fact that they're expanding out to the mobile base, the PC base, is going to do wonders for them. I'm hoping that what they see is a boom in their own valuation. Something similar to, to Epic Games with Fortnite or PlayerUnknown Battlegrounds. We want to see that burst form, and it's not to say they're not already big and and doing great things already. You know, they've already got their own tournament going for Valorant. They've got exactly, and they they averaged over eight hundred thousand viewers for their games as far as for these matchups in this tournament. So they've been doing outstanding numbers. It's it's one of the most popular games on Twitch right now. It really is, and it's, for me, it's. I think this is a great progression for this IP. Leave it out there, let it stay on its original platform for a while, and then start expanding out. There's no reason to saturate the market, the mobile marketplace, the PC marketplace right out the gate. If you've got enough console players, just keep it like it is and, and just move from there. And I think what they're doing here is a great, great, great thing. It's going to help give them the money, the, the revenue they need to keep the entire studio running for years to come. Absolutely. A great success story for Riot Games. Obviously, it's a very highly competitive game. Like you said, five on five PvP. It just really just looks like it's going to be something that I think is going to be a mainstay for years to come. And now they're talking about doing a mobile version of this game. So really a great success story. And you say Valorant, I say Valorant. Like I said, everybody have a great day, but it is Valorant. It is a, a great game. It's been doing so well on Twitch right now. And hopefully you get a chance to check it out if you haven't played it already. Again, going mobile after almost 15 million users already have tried it. So hopefully you'll be able to go ahead and give it a chance as well. A lot of people are watching it. A lot of people are liking it, enjoying it. Another successful V game with about 7 million sold already is Valheim. That's the open world game 
that I think people should go ahead and check out as well because it's a very interesting sandbox game. I'm really intrigued by it by the time I've spent watching it and going ahead and interacting with it. And this is also a game that's very highly rated on Twitch. A lot of people are watching it. So I want to hear your thoughts on Valheim. This one is from a company that doesn't have the highest profile, even to the stature of Riot Games. Riot Games is one of the more popular publishers out there. This wasn't backed by a super-duper huge publisher. I want to hear your thoughts about Valheim. Yeah, to me, Valheim is the next step here. You know, if you look at it, it's got... uh, I love the name of this publisher, though, Coffee Stain Studios. Great publisher. Yes. With a name like that, it really brings that mental imagery. Like for me, I just see like that coffee ring on a piece of eight and a half by 11 paper for some reason. But regardless, we're getting off on my own mental notes here. Valheim though, it's set in Valhalla. You're taking on the enemies of Odin himself. And it seems like it's really quite the game. I haven't spent any time playing it yet. I've watched probably about 10 or 15 minutes of gameplay, but it doesn't give you a lot. There's a lot of discovery that the player has to do on their own. You know, you you do spend a lot of time making those logical leaps between clues or between enemies. And from what I've been able to tell, this has been just a great title. And I'm looking forward to see how it grows throughout the year, man. It's it's going to be one of those titles that I think in another two or three months, Twitch is just going to be overloaded with streams. Absolutely. If they're not already checking out Valorant already. So these are two highly successful games, especially for the stature of where they're at as far as publisher-wise. And I'll tell you what, great success for Riot Games in Valorant and great success for Coffee Stain Studios, one of the best-named studios that's out there for Valheim. I hope you get a chance to check these out, gamers, because I think they're two games that are on the PC that are out there that I think really are going to go places. And you could see them on consoles in the not-too-distant future as well. Well, that's, again, a speculation. So you could, you could see them on a different platform, a video game platform, a console platform sometime soon. Can I just make one more statement about Valheim? Coffee Stain Studios was responsible for Goat Simulator in 2014. So I just want to say they've got some great titles under their belt already. Exactly. Goat Simulator was one of the most creative and outside the box video games of the last decade. And it looks like they're scoring success once again. (laughs) What are your thoughts out there on the V games that are hitting big with PC audiences in Valorant and Valheim? Share us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. We've got a little bit more to talk about on today's program, but before we hit the break, my friend, I'm going to hit you up with this. Minion Rush, speaking of games that are actually already on mobile, because we talked about Valorant, and that's a game that's going to mobile because it's been such a huge success. Minion Rush is already a success. So if Valorant wants to go ahead and catch Minion Rush, it's going to have a lot to do because they just announced Minion Rush hit over 1 billion downloads. Billion with a B. yeah, Billion with the B. It is one of the biggest mobile games of all time. And I know a lot of people are shaking their heads. Huh? Minion Rush? You mean from Despicable Me? Yes, Minion Rush from the Despicable Me series. That game has flew under the radar, but everybody seems to be playing it. I know it's not, an, I guess let's say, an Angry Birds level because everybody was talking about Angry Birds as they were playing about Angry Birds. Not as many people are talking about Minion Rush, 
but people are sure as heck downloading it. It's not, again, it's not like Pokemon Go where everybody was downloading it, but one billion downloads, my friend, that speaks all about the success of Minion Rush. Yeah, I just want to make the quick statement here of fact that Minion Rush was debuted in 2013, June 10th, 2013. So, I mean, almost eight years ago to the day, this game came out and we've hit That's a billion. That's more than 100 million downloads a year. Yeah. Yeah. This is a great Mind game. Mind. Yeah. I, I mean, it's a great game. I downloaded it initially when it came out. It's a good time waster is what it is for me. You know, if I'm sitting, waiting on an appointment, you know, I've got two or three minutes to kill. I'll sit there and play Minion Rush. It's a divide in our household. You're either playing Minion Rush or 2048. And I'm more on the Minion Rush side. My wife is more on the numbers side with 2048. But we do flip and flop. You know, occasionally I'll, I'll take over on that side of the things. She'll take over on the Minion Rush. But I do want to say, great game. You know, just naturally I saw somebody playing it this weekend. So obviously it's still out and about. Kids are still playing it to the extreme. If you've got a billion downloads, billion plus one, because I just re-downloaded it again. I don't know what that does for the numbers. But, you know, hey. Yours is the most important download, and you've downloaded it twice. So there you go. I have actually it's probably about three or four times. Yeah. I get to a point where I get I realize I'm just time wasting and I decide I need to delete it and be a a real adult for a few months. And then I download it again and go back after it. But I've really enjoyed it. I do want to say that I think Universal, NBC Universal hit a home run with this one. You know, when it comes to the minions, they've been one of the best character developments over the past 10 years and it's weird to say that about a little yellow animated minion Uh, let's just call it you know what he is uh, what what they are minions it's funny to see that the success that they've had but it's all been in good fun and i think that the continued success of the minions franchise is the continued success of minion rush so let's keep it going i think we could get to 1.5 billion let's do it it keeps the minion name or the minion IP or the despicable me IP overseeing all this in the spotlight so that when you go ahead and see the next minions movie or the next despicable me, because they're going to keep bringing them out. I know despicable me three wasn't for everybody, but they're still bringing them out because they're still making tons of cash. And you can see with the success of minion rush. Yes. 2013 release, but 1 billion downloads later. It's just a mind-altering number that very few apps have ever done. We're talking about some of the most basic apps that everybody gets. Minion Rush is now among those because it has to be because 1 billion phones, I don't say 1 billion phones, but several hundred million phones have downloaded this at least once in the case of Marcus several times. So there you go. Maybe that's why. <laughs> Maybe he's downloaded this 1 billion times and this just been off of one phone. But again, 1 billion downloads is nothing to sneeze at. But to me, it speaks volumes about the love, like you said, of the Minions IP, the Despicable Me IP. But again, the Minions seem to have a charm in and of themselves that's long lasting. And I think sometimes it does go under the radar because there are supposedly a little bit higher profile animated IPs, but Universal is just continuing to sing the praises and reap the rewards of the Despicable Me and Minions IPs because as with, like I said, not even a movie's coming out. You know, I know there's a Minions on the way. I know there's a Despicable Me on the way at some point in time, but there's no Minions out right now. And they're still making tons of cash with Minion Rush. Yeah, I mean, dude, everybody loves the little Minions. Honestly, I think one of the most clever things they ever did with that character, Lion, was giving them their own language. Don't let them speak in English. Just have their own language. 
everybody can interpret what they're saying and they just it just made them so cute man like i, I just love the minions dude I, just, I, just, I really do yeah everybody seems to love them in fact one billion downloads later just tells you how much love for the minions there really are what are your thoughts out there on minion rush hitting one billion downloads on your mobile phones out there share us your thoughts popculturecosmos at yahoo.com thanks for checking out the pcc you know the pop culture cosmos we'll be back in one moment if you need your video game fix be sure to check out retro city games located in town square on las vegas boulevard or in henderson nevada retro city games has the cure for all your video game vices retro games and games for current consoles nintendo sega playstation xbox and more retro city games has all the staples from any library and some highly collectible offerings too. So pick up a few games today at Retro City Games in Town Square on Las Vegas Boulevard or in Henderson, Nevada. Retro City Games is your video game metropolis. Well, my friend, it's been a great episode, but before we head on out, a couple more things. First up, I want to update everybody on some Sony PlayStation news, and you as the PlayStation man need to know this. And it's so funny because... You were so diehard and so gung-ho on getting a PlayStation 5. And who gets the PlayStation 5? Josh. The Xbox dude. Yes, the Xbox dude does. But he kind of, you know, circumvented the system to do that. He had to go yeah, ahead and I'm, pay a little more. Yeah, I'm just unwilling to pay scalpers like he has with both of his uh, so consoles. So I. He knows yeah. that. I, I told him I, I told him that on the air. I just, I can't see myself doing that. I can do five, and that's all I'm going to do. Yeah, and and you know what? It's... For me, I, I just can't. But if that's stand. what he wanted, God bless him, dude. When you got the money to throw away on something like that, do it. But uh, you know, and and obviously, I'm I'm throwing away money on the things behind me, the germs. Yeah, exactly. But... I, as you say that, <laughs> <laughs> that's literally throwing it away Whoops. as I crash it into the ground. But I can't bring myself to pay six hundred and fifty bucks or seven hundred bucks for a PS5 from a scalper or something like that. I'd rather literally just buy it from a store and wait another three, four, five months, whatever it is. I know you're going to be waiting. I'm going to be waiting. We're all waiting just because we're stubborn. I, I don't want to pay somebody else that much money. Well, speaking of that shortage, because of the fact that he did have to pay scalpers over the $500 prices, because there is a shortage of PlayStation 5s on the marketplace, because you're always losing out if you're trying to buy it online to bots. There's none in stores. So it's still extremely difficult to get a PlayStation 5. And will continue to be so because of the semiconductor shortage for quite some time, possibly lasting into 2023, which would be a real bummer for all these games, all these publishers that want to go ahead and produce. In fact, we're going to be covering E3 in the not-too-distant future here, and we're going to be seeing a lot of games that will want to come out exclusively on PS5, and we'll probably have to make the decision to not do so and still put out either weight until more people have it in their hands or they're going to have to go ahead and do what Sony's going to be doing. And that is that they announced that God of War, the one that was going to be released to PS5 exclusively at the end of this year has now been delayed until next year. Yep. And it's going to not be an exclusive to PlayStation 5. It's also going to be on the PS4 platform and Gran Turismo 7. That was recently announced is not just coming to PlayStation 5, but also coming to PlayStation 4 as well, which was modified and changed from what the original plan was. And I think 
that the main reason why is availability of the PlayStation 5. And like you said, chunk of change on that one. So it is very, very concerning for anyone out there that has a PlayStation 5. You're not going to get the exclusives that you thought, at least early on. At the tail end of this console generation, they're all going to come out on the PlayStation 5 and maybe PlayStation 5 exclusively. So that shouldn't be an issue. But right now, this early part of this console generation is going to be a problem, not only for PlayStation 5, but for Xbox Series X owners, because there are so few of us out there that have them. I shouldn't say us, because I'm not one of them. But there are so many people out there that don't have them and are willing to just say, hey, I'm going to stick with my PS4 or my Xbox One. You're going to see a lot of other exclusive console games to this next generation no longer have that exclusivity. Yeah, I think the PS5 owners can take solace in the fact that both games were designed from the ground up for the PS5. They might have found a spot in the last year or two where they realized uh, we might not make it and we might need to go ahead and fork this and start mastering it for the PS4 as well. But you just have to know that this entire concept was built from you know initially with the PS5 solely in mind. So I think with that, your early experience of the game is going to be outstanding. You know, as, as you keep progressing, you might see some some areas that, you know, have some deficiencies. And I hope that's not the case. But, I mean, when you start looking at the breakdown of, you know, designing the game entirely around the PS5, and you start having to backtrack and make some almost remastering gestures for them to get this over to the PS4, port it backwards, I'm sitting here thinking that, I don't think that we're doing the PS5 owners a disservice. I think what we're doing is doing the PS4 owners a great gesture here and, and, and allowing them to come along for the ride here with Gran Turismo and God of War. When you look at the numbers, the sheer numbers, 110 million units for the PlayStation 4, you can't argue with numbers like that, especially when the numbers for the PS5 just haven't hit that kind of a saturation point. So if you're going to say, go ahead and say that, hey, we're exclusively on PS5 when it comes to Gran Turismo and God of War, all you're doing is just pigeonholing your profit puppy into something that's not going to make you nearly the amount of money you need to make the next video game. In the it's a losing proposition right yeah. now. It is a losing proposition because you're selling it to a base that's very limited. I mean, it was going to be limited before, but at least if it would be under normal circumstances, there would still be a lot of various users out in the marketplace and you could see the signs. There wouldn't be a semiconductor shortage and there would be out there to be more on the way, more plentiful. And then, this holiday season, you would see a holiday season that's going to be ripe with either Xbox Series X's or PlayStation 5's. That would have been under the normal okay circumstances. But obviously with what happened with the pandemic and, and all that and the shortages that were created and the decisions that were made in regards to the semiconductors and chips that were going to be earmarked for consoles that are no longer earmarked for consoles and you're having to go ahead and regroup the entire industry in order for you to go ahead and make sure that you have enough Sonys or Xboxes. And that's going to take some time to catch back up with the amount of demand that you have for them. You're going to see more decisions made like these, where these once exclusive games are no longer going to be exclusive. And, you know, I know that Josh is out there somewhere right now with his PlayStation 5 and his Xbox Series X. And I can tell he's probably getting frustrated that he's not going to have, at least early on, the, all the exclusive games that he was hoping for. And that's something he's voiced on this show, that he was hoping for exclusive games right off the get-go, and there's not a prevalent amount. 
There's a little bit more on the PlayStation 5 than Xbox Series right now, but we're not talking about an abundance. We're only talking about a, a sorted few. Yeah, and I think long-term success here is going to be aimed at making sure the PS4 is incorporated for years to come. You know, we saw it with the PS4 rollout with the PS3 integration, the same thing with the Xbox 360 going into Xbox One. You know, we did keep a lot of those older consoles alive for a very long time. This is not going to be any different. You know, the idea that we were just going to jump into the PS5, we were going to have all these exclusives that were just PS5 only, you know, that was going to be a limited idea for a couple of titles here and there. But overall, the experience was going to be a joint experience between the PS4 and the PS5. I'm just kind of at a loss here, Gerald. My employer just got through a initial rollout of 26 new camera models and two NVRs, and we did not have an issue finding silicon chips for any of those products. I understand that those are a much lower grade of tech, but you know this silicon shortage, I think, is a little bit artificially manufactured by Sony to a certain extent. But what would you say about Xbox? And they're suffering the same fate. They are, but I think, uh, well, I, I would extend that to Microsoft as well. Why would you not try and restrict some of the stock? And I've said it before. I think I said it two weeks ago when we were on the program. Why would you not try and keep this restrictive so that you can keep that hype going for you know an extra year, a year and a half on trying to get your hands on the console? Somewhere deep down, somebody made a strategy move, and it might not have been communicated to the entire company, but you know, one or two people talked about it, and they decided that hey, we're going to restrict some of these console sales and we're going to slow our pace down just a little bit. That way we can keep that slow burn going and that money coming in. Well, right now it is a problem because potential owners, gamers out there, can't get their hands on PlayStation 5s and Xbox Series consoles. So once these games that were lauded about being in the future console exclusive games for this next generation are no longer simply because of financial reasons. They're going to either delay them to maybe a year, two years down the line, or they're just going to bring them out and going to make them PS4 eligible or Xbox One eligible, which kind of throws even a bigger wrench into this whole thing. People wanting to buy a next generation, maybe that lessens the desires for a lot of people for owning a next generation console. I mean, for me, it's, I, right now, I need to see it's all about the content. And right now, I don't see much in the way of exclusive content either that's going to tell me, you know what, you got to go ahead and make every effort to go ahead and get yourself a new console. What are your thoughts out there on the Gran Turismo and God of War news that they will no longer be PlayStation 5 exclusives? God of War has been delayed to at least next year. And Gran Turismo 7 is now going to be on both platforms, something that they were not counting on at a certain point in time until quite recently when they said that they're going to also be on the PlayStation 4. Share your thoughts, PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. Well, my friend, it's been a great episode. Cannot thank you enough for stopping by. Been some great conversation on everything from Minion Rush to the WWE. But before we head on out, Disneyland is now open for business. A lot of people are having fun down there. A lot of those restrictions thrown away and people are out there in mass. And just like we did uh, when we talked about a certain ride that was opening up in your neck of the woods in Orlando at Disney World with their ride that they just opened up as far as for the Star Wars land and all the great stuff that they did there. I want to hear your thoughts on the latest addition to Disneyland here on the West Coast of America, and that is Avengers Campus. It opened up to a big star-studded event. Kevin Feige was there. Anthony Mackie was there. Paul Rudd was there. They were all talking great things about it. 
They have a lot of cameos from a lot of the Marvel Cinematic Universe heroes that were able to go ahead and say great things about it. It's been opened up for the press, and it's now open up for crowds by the time you hear this. I want to hear your thoughts on Avengers Campus, a section totally devoted to the MCU. It's about time that we've hit this point where the MCU is getting its own theme park area. And I do want to say that this is exclusive to Disneyland. We will not likely ever see the Avengers Campus come to Disney World. And that's part of an agreement that they have with MCA to make sure Universal... For for Universal Studios, yes. Yep, yeah. So it's for Universal Studios. Any characters that they employ on on the East Coast, Disney's not allowed to employ on the East Coast as well. So as long as we keep the divide between the country and keep the divide as the Mississippi River, we'll have Avengers on on the West Coast and we'll have, you know, just regular old Disney stuff on the East Coast. And I'm okay with that, but I wish I would have known I'm not okay because Universal Studios, I can hang with my girls and my wife loves Potterland. But we go to what is left of the Avengers area, and it seems old. It seems antiquated. I went on the Spider-Man ride. It looks like it's like 50,000 years old. You go on art and it's squeaking because it's so old. Mm-hmm. I mean, and then you go over to Disney World and Rise of the Resistance was the greatest theme park ride ever. And I will stress that ever. So I will say that if there's anything at the new Avengers campus on the west side here, I'm just all for it. There's a great new Spider-Man ride there. I mean, there's a lot of stuff going on. That's all MCU-related. This just looks like a lot of fun. It does, and I'm looking forward to the chance to head out west again, and maybe you, me, and Josh can go hang out and do some MCU stuff at an Avengers campus soon. Josh used to live a hop, skip, and a jump, almost literally, to Disneyland. And he decided he loved it so much he moved to Texas. So there you go. Interesting. Well, nice play there, Josh. We'll head back to Disneyland and maybe we can stay with your friends. Since Although um, if you paid the taxes in Orange County, California, maybe that'd be one of the reasons why. But yeah, you like rest. Yeah, or pro- if you ever traveled on the freeways in Orange County, California, you would understand maybe that's the reason why. <laughs> yeah. No, uh, shout out to you, Josh, for moving out. You did the right thing. You got away from those taxes. But I do want to say, when we do decide we're going to head back there, we're going to call up all your old friends, stay with them for free, because we're going to blow all that money at Disneyland. There you go. Absolutely. Because it is not only the happiest place on earth, but it's also the most expensive. At least that's what I like to say after I see the bill. But again, the MCU is now well represented with Avengers Campus. It looks like everybody's having a great time. It is now open for business this weekend at Disneyland. If you're headed on your way there anytime this summer, we'd love to hear your thoughts on it. I'm going to try and see if I can get out there this summer. I'm hoping, keeping my fingers crossed, because I know I've got my eldest daughter. She is extremely excited about heading there. It just was so giddy about seeing it open up this week because she is a vaunted mcu fan so she is going to love every second of it i'm sure and hopefully i'm going to be able to take her out there but if you have gone and experienced avengers campus or are going to in the coming weeks we do want to hear your thoughts and opinions on avengers campus and is it really a great addition to disneyland share us your thoughts popculturecosmos at yahoo.com well, my friend, just a fantastic episode. We got to talk about a great many things. I'm looking forward to the Monday episode where we'll recap the box office fight between A Quiet Place Part 2 and The Conjuring. The devil made me do it. I'm hoping the devil won't make me do it as far as that's concerned, as far as spending all that cash at the box office. But my friend, 
Any last thoughts from you before we head on out? Yeah, I failed to mention that the new Avengers Campus has a animatronic Spider-Man that jumps from building to building. It looks oh, like my, my daughter pointed that out for me right away. Yeah, it looks like a Boston Dynamics robot that we've seen them in the Christmas videos over the last couple of years where they dance and they're doing all sorts of crazy things. And, you know, about 10 years ago, we used to watch them try and step up on a box and fall over. and We all used to laugh at them. And now they're basically future warfighting machines. So the fact that we've re reprogrammed <laughs> one to uh, just jump from rooftop to rooftop is amazing. And uh, I hope that's where we stop. <laughs> you know, keep me entertained, but do not become my future warfighting robot. So again, shout out to Nick and Amber. Thank you for a wonderful wedding. You guys really showed everybody a great time and congratulations and many, many, many happy years to come. Also want to give a big shout out to everybody who watched us on Facebook. Gonzalez, Hanif, Roger, and Edie, thank you so much for giving us a big shout out on Facebook. We truly appreciate it. Once again, we will be back Monday to recap the box office war. Also talk about a great many things that are coming up in pop culture next week. E3 is around the corner, so stay tuned for that. Plus, we've got some more great and exciting announcements coming up as we cover the latest news and trends in pop culture right here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. So from Marcus De La Garza, this is Gerald Glassford. It's another beautiful day in paradise right here in the PCC Multiverse. We thank you for listening. And here's hoping... You have yourself a great day. Yeah. Welcome to Dr. Geek's Laboratory. Hello, everyone. Dr. Geek here with a shout out to all the scientists who worked tirelessly to bring a COVID-19 vaccine into reality. <laughs> Let's face it, creating something of this magnitude is a miracle worthy of Dr. McCoy himself. And now, Dr. Geek needs you to do your part. Remember, each shot is one small step back to normal, one giant leap to putting the pandemic behind us. We can do this. For more information, visit vaccines.gov to find your nearest provider. Here at the Cosmic Pizza Podcast, we make every show from the finest ingredients. Juicy interviews, fiery film nights, delicious desert island DVDs. And pack it all into a slice of life in every episode. Order up our specials now from your delivery guys. Sean from Canada. Dan from Kent in the UK. And Paul from near Liverpool in the UK. Here on the ESO Network. The Cosmic Pizza Podcast. Serving you a slice of life. Mmm-mmm. You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping for the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Tangent Bound Network. Let your voice be heard. TangentBoundNetwork.com Thanks so much for downloading the Pop Culture Cosmos and stay tuned as more great podcasts are on the way. Thanks again for listening to us here at the Pop Culture Cosmos.